Hi there, you're listening to Rune Landers. I'm Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master. Now before we begin, Rune Landers contains adult content, about as much as your average late evening premium cable series. We don't beat these topics over the head, and they're not in every episode, but they do exist as part of the setting, so we don't shy away from them when they come up either. Now, dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, Runetics, and let's roll. Barrister, solicitor, and warlock Mary Hulu receives a promotion to the extra legal affairs department of the venerable old firm of Starkweather and Fair. He begins to assemble the team he'll need to tackle the challenges that come with the job. Tapping his criminal contacts for leads, he first arranges a meeting with, then recruits the duo of Arabet and Mr. Stitch. Arabet is a talented criminal generalist with a particular knack for burglary. Mr. Stitch is a tabaxi expatriate who funds his pro bono medical work for the poor of Bailey Mina by charging its criminals exorbitantly for his discretion. Longtime friends and roommates, they recommend the fallen Jani gladiatrix Magma, whom rumor holds has been working in the local iron mines. The rumor is true and Magma is all too happy to accept their offer as it gets her the hell out of those shite conditions and back to kicking asses. In his guise as the butler Jobsworth, Nari puts Magma up in a suite of luxurious apartments, and the newfound firm calls it a day. It's the next morning, and uh, we'll join it with Magma, who is flat on her face, sleeping the sleep of the blessed. This is a feather mattress with feather pillows. Everything is in here is clean. Like there's there's been a maid through here in the last week. You don't remember the last time you slept on cotton sheets, much less linen. Like your bed was a bag of straw in the dormitories in the mine. So this is a definite step up. Also, the sun is fully in the sky by the time you crack an eye. The place smells like patchouli and this odd sort of herbal mix that you can't quite put your finger on, but it's a potpourri sort of thing. It's uh, it's well organized. There's a full chest of cosmetics and uh, all of the other necessities a lady of station might need. I was just about to ask, do I have something other than myself in my bed currently? Well, that depends on uh, how much carousing you did last night. Um... It's up to you, really. I really couldn't speculate. Why don't you tell me? Anybody there with you? You know what? I'm going to say no, just because, I mean, new digs and all. And it's like, Magma's been living in the mines pretty much on a straw mattress. It's like, oh, hell no. 
this is all mine. And the, like the sheets are like high thread count linen, very soft, you know? Like just, oh yeah. She's so, totally starfished in the bed. She's okay. like spread out and is wiggled her way in there. Yeah, absolutely. Also the front door to these apartments have, has a stout lock with a key that you could remove. And like, it, it's, it's inch and a half thick oak, this door. Like the, the security here is unparalleled. It was the best sleep you've had. Like, really, you feel restored and refreshed, and, like, you wake up, and what do you do? Uh, well, first things first, a lady has to have tea. Out front of the brownstone apartment that she's currently inhabiting, pulls up a two-wheeled cart drawn by an extraordinarily beautiful horse. Remarkable, because it seems to have, like, a wallpaper pattern to its skin. And I'm serious, like, it, it's a crushed velvet toile from the shoulders up. It's got the most beautiful mane. It's like this sort of black fluorescent silver and these eyes which glow uh, like a, a warm green. And the whole effect of this horse is just, it's a piece of taxidermist's art. And it comes trotting up without any sort of snorting or breathing noises of any kind and stops with a creak of stretching leather and clipping hooves on the cobblestones. The lady driving the cart gets out. Welcome back, Ziva. Your apartment is, uh, well, it's right there. And, you know, the maid would have been through in the last couple of days. The place shouldn't be in too much of a state. You can unpack in a minute, but, like, it would be really good to just get these shoes off. Yeah. So up the stairs you go and, you know. Unlock the door. Unlock the door. Magma, there's a key in the lock. There's a bit of a raise to her eyebrow as her head turns towards the sound, and she, you know, very casually with one teacup in her hand, kind of saunters over and sort of leans against, I guess, the entrance. So the door opens, and would you give us a description, please, Ziva? Ziva is a half-high-elf, very pointy ears. Her hair is purple purplish eyes, silvery skin. And she has on like a sort of it's practical, but uh, it's all in purples and blacks and silvers and uh, it's all like a very elaborate sort of layers of clothing and dresses and shirts and corsets and things. And there's definitely a little bit of a skull theme to the whole thing. Especially on the beautifully wrought silver brooch that she wears on her lapel above her heart. Mm -hmm. She would just stop, seeing, uh, what are you doing in my apartment? The woman that you're looking at, Ziva, if you wouldn't mind helping us out, please, Magma. Yeah, very lean, very, I wouldn't say slender, but certainly very wiry looking woman with uh, sort of like dark golden kind of colored skin that has several very luminous looking tattoos stretching from the wrist all the way up her arms. She has flame colored hair where it starts off very, very light at the base and then goes all the way down to a very dark red color. The eyes are gold. She's Dressed in a house coat, holding a teacup uh, with one brow raised, and says, Interesting. I thought this apartment was bequeathed to me for the time being. You may wish to discuss things with Mr. Jobsworth. 
Uh, who's that? Give like a physical description of Jobsworth. Sounds like the butler who works for the Lord that occasionally uses your brother as a lawyer. Uh, oh my God. Okay, so like my brother is supposed to like take care of my place when I'm not here. And I guess like, I don't know, whatever. I must have been confused because this is my place and like my stuff. Well, you do have impeccable taste, doll, and I will give you that. But again, I suggest you go and speak with your brother about the matter. It is particularly noteworthy that as Ziva says, and my stuff, um, all of the shadows in that foyer kind of lean toward her like, no, 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 it's okay, Ziva. It's okay, calm down. <laughs> Whatever, fine. Do you know where he is? I do believe I saw him walking off down the street. There's always his place, Ziva. His office will be open for sure. Ugh. Ugh. I'm gonna go to his place. I'm gonna make him miserable. He's gonna pay for this. And she just turns around and leaves. I'm a fucking wizard! We shift the focus from her to the streets, you know, the shop windows turning the signs over from closed to open, and just the general press of people. And when we pull away from the crowd, we're going up the side of a big stone warehouse down by the keys. We reach the top and then like there's the, uh, the regular crushed tar gravel roof with, you know, the mechanical buildings for the lifts with all the thermo industrial machinery inside and all the ventilation pipes and things you normally see coming out of a roof of a warehouse that are perched in various places around the roof. The uh, door of one of these opens and we see Jobsworth in his morning coat with his collar mounted up firmly to his chin crunching across the gravel in his expensive shoes toward a greenhouse where all the curtains have been drawn and uh, there's a thin wisp of smoke coming out of a stovepipe. It's a bit of a crisp morning. Go ahead. You're up. All right. Well, I guess uh, doing all the, uh, the morning prep and chores for uh, doing like, yeah, I guess the laundry and uh, the folding and laying out the clothes, I suppose uh, the boss is probably going to want to hit the town at some point. At some point, yeah. Uh, that was your morning. You've been up for a few hours now and uh, are coming to check in on Arabet to see if there's uh, been any progress with the intel mission you sent him on yesterday. So you reach the door and it's a heavy thing of glass and wrought iron with um, a very complicated lock and an altogether too shiny doorknob. All right, well, I suppose... Uh... Yeah, on my way over there, I'll just grab a quick uh, little pot of tea and uh, some just a pastry or two, and the light breakfast sort of works, and let's be just knock gently with that. All right, so you've got a you've got a paper bag with some pastries in it, and uh, and a pot of a clay pot full of steeping tea. Um, still piping hot. You got it from the like. There's a great place. There's a great 
does a great London fog sort of thing, right? Except it's a Bailey Mina fog because this is the Runelands. Um, so, I mean, you show up with that, knock on the door. Stitch, paging Mr. Stitch. Hello. Okay, Mr. Stitch. Um, you are sleeping luxuriantly stretched out on your futon-like mattress, which is amongst the which is amongst the many trees and things. It gets a lot of good sun in the afternoon, and uh, it's a great spot just to stretch out and sleep. It's a thing you're fond of when you're not working. But uh, somebody's come crushing their way across the roof, and you know maybe it's the maintenance people, but no, they're coming right your way, and so. You know, like he stops and takes altogether too long to present himself before knocking annoyingly on the door. Oh, for the love of all that is... Uh, hello, who's there? That's John Thorpe, sir. I'm here with uh, some morning refreshments and uh, waiting for the gentlemen for the meeting. Oh, <clears throat> of course, of course. One moment. I'll be right back. He goes running up the stairs to find Arabet. Okay, Arabet. Comes walking down the stairs. Jobs worse here, I guess. Oh, uh, I, uh, 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 Betty. Uh, um, front door. Uh, he doesn't know that the proper knock. It scared me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta run over this way now. <laughs> All right then. I cross the uh, greenhouse to the door and open it rather grandly. Welcome, Welcome Mr. Jobsworth. A tropical air comes wafting out of this. It's quite different than the air that's all around you. It's lusher. It feels um, somehow cleaner, right? But at the same time, there's these tinges of chemical scents and various tinctures in the air. And it, all, it all comes wafting out at you in a rush. And there's Arabet fully dressed, stitch perched in the steel rafters of the greenhouse just beneath the roof with his eyes as big as saucer plates watching you intently. It's kind of bright, so his pupils are narrowed into, you know, wide slits, and he's just, uh, his tail's twitching as he's kind of watching what you're doing. Um, but the door's open and you're invited in, so you step in, and the floor is all well-scrubbed uh, marble tiling. Plants all stand in pots and planters all around the room, and there's evidence that people live here. Amongst these things, though, is a very expensive Victrola phonograph and a uh, large collection of thick wax records. I'll, I'll nod and I'll put the uh, the food and the tea down on the countertop to if any handy surface nearby. And yeah, just reach out and shake his hand and ask him uh, how the mission went. Oh, business, business. Always business with you, isn't it? I'm afraid I'm kept on a bit of a leash myself, so. Indeed. Well, uh, from what I understand, things went well last night. We should have a lot of information coming in this morning. Excellent. We need to find Timothy and have a chat with him. He had a couple of the lads out by the boat. All right. So are you going to uh, avail yourself of the breakfast or? Oh, yeah. Uh, I started chewing on a pastry as soon as the bag is offered. They're delicious for what it's worth. This is a pastry from a shop that you know of, because, I mean, let's face it, you've been everywhere in the city, Arabet. Uh, it's just not one that you typically frequent because it doesn't cater to your kind, you know what I mean? All the same, there is no mistaking the butter that that bakery uses. It's delicious. There's also some bagels, and for those not inclined to eating grains, there's a lovely pot of lox. Oh my god, is that fish? Fish? Is it fresh? 
It's better. It's smoked, right? Like it just zings and everything. Oh, it's, it's you can smell it from the air, right? Oh, his eyes get wide and he kind of starts to slink slowly downward. So, uh, uh, Mr. Jobsworth, uh, anytime you wish to come over uh, and bring these delectables, I, I am never... He kind of looks over at Arabit. We would be happy? Right. Happy. All right, well, that pot of locks is licked clean in about 30 seconds, because um, amongst his many virtues, Mr. Stitch does not count table manners. After they've had their breakfast and put their tea in these stone glasses, uh, like a mug without a handle, keeps it nice and warm, y'all go down for a stroll to the Keys to uh, meet with Timote. It's a nice day, the sun is shining brightly, and there's a wind coming in off the sea. As you guys turn down the key and you're all walking nicely together with Stitch heavily cloaked and bandaged like the leper it is convenient to be in public, when you get to the rendezvous, the kid you were expecting to be there isn't. Arabit looks around the docks to see who's on him. There are a couple of other kids who are studiously ignoring you, and, well, a rather healthy-looking bum in a stylishly tattered cloak. I walk over to the bum. The guy's just kind of sitting there minding his own business, and as you get there, he stands up and pulls a sword. He goes, all right, mate. Stand back, put your hands up. Why would I do that? We have a child in our custody. Says you'll answer for everything we caught him doing. You caught a child doing something? Yep. Sneaking onto the boat, in fact. He says you caught a child sneaking onto a boat? He says you're, you're his guardian and that you'll answer for his charges. Now, what would possess a boy that you've had anything to do with, sir, to try breaking onto an imperial treasury ship? Oh, I see. So a boy got hungry, a boy that I've been trying to take care of, and you're coming after me for saying he went on a ship, Then you think I sent him on the ship, and you want me to answer for that. That's what the boy said. He said you sent him and that you would answer for his conduct. Well, I'll certainly bail him out. Very well, then. Come with me. Right, then. I will do that. All right. Well, are you going... Is anybody going with him? Or would the other two of you who are present like to avoid Imperial attention? Arabet waves his hand off. You, 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 you would be best doing this by yourself, I think. We're going to snap back to Magma, who is now dressed, and uh, I guess, what are you doing? Oh, well, still looking, of course, at the woman who has uh, come into the apartment and has been... Uh, oh my god, you're in my apartment. Um, so she's, I mean, she's dressed, uh, you know, and says, Well, I'm more than happy to accompany you to find Mr. Jobsworth, uh, just to make sure that we are both equally present when it comes to decision time. That, and if he is turfing me out of your apartment, I'd like to know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not like your fault or whatever. So, you can, like, hide with me. 
To be fair, I did, at the very least, try and maintain the original integrity of the apartment. Oh yeah, it looks great. Oh, I'm Ziva. They call me Magma. That's like a really good name. Just like that gladiator a couple years ago. She's all over the place, and then like nobody ever heard from her again. Wonder whatever happened to her. Oh yeah. It's a very long and convoluted story. Um, yeah, it always is when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, whatever. As you approach the streets, you uh, you are treated to a full view of Ziva's horse. And it is a great big, hugely powerful looking go-to-do-anything-work-hard horse. Except that it isn't fidgeting at all. Like, there's no flies on it. And uh, it appears to have been upholstered in various materials. Um, it's currently rigged up for the gig, the two-seater gig, which is still hooked up to it. Um, and it just stands there uncomplainingly, not looking around, not whiffling, just standing completely still, as though somebody had parked it there. Because somebody had. <laughs> I'll walk up with a horse touch its nose and kind of, you know, do a little pat. And with that, the horse's joints all unlock and it's it's flexible and low and it's moving again. So, way to shut off that security system, Ziva. <laughs> to which Magma kind of turns around and goes, Oh, excuse you. Oh, this is Pate. He's my horse. And I get on, um, in the cart and, uh, just kind of scooch over his boots. So there's room for two, although it's a little bit tight. And, uh, this horse goes from, like, a dead stop to a canter almost instantly. It's like it just, it, it takes no time to warm up, it just breaks out in a canter. So the effect is kind of breakneck. Even, like, even at a walk, there's a bit of a lurch in one of these things. And uh, Ziva's expecting it, so she leans into it when she takes the reins. Magma, you are not. And uh, so it catches you by surprise, and there's a bit of a buck as you go rattling through the streets of Bailey Mina. Um, we're going to switch back the focus now to where Stitch and Jobsworth are tailing along behind Arabet, who is headed towards the keep. Um... Mr. Jobsworth, there is a ding in your pocket spell phone. All right. Well, I'll uh, just uh, tuck away into an alley or like a little, like uh, any little cover I can. Okay. So you you peel off into an alley, pull it out of your pocket, open it up, and an image forms of a silver-skinned half-elven woman who you know well. It's your sister, Ziva. All right, well, I'll ask her, oh, how, how are you, and where are you, and glad to see you. I am, like, looking for you because there's somebody in my apartment. Oh, you can use mine. Don't worry about it. Sorry about that. Sorry, I rented uh, some the spare rooms out earlier this, uh, this week. You rented my apartment with my stuff to somebody else without telling me. So I like walked in on them. Welcome home, Ziva. Where are you? Because I'm gonna like kick you in the nuts. Well, 
I'll give the address of the the bar where the where we were looking at the uh, the fighters the other night. <laughs> okay, uh, six thirteen, uh, Washwoman Lane. All right, there. All right, so magma. Um, you're right there for this. And six thirteen, Washwoman. Six thirteen, Washwoman. Six. That's that fight club that you're going to make your debut at later in the week. Oh, well, isn't that interesting? I'll be happy to see the bartender again. Oh, are they cute? If you happen to like tall, green, and handsome. Green? Ooh. Check that out. Now, Junior, behave yourself. Ow! The focus shifts again to Arabet now, who's standing in front of a, well, a full-on Imperial console sitting behind a desk that's all richly appointed, and, you know, Arabet's standing on the carpet, and this guy's glowering across the desk at him. He seems apoplectic, almost. He opens his mouth to say something a few times. Hi, Paul. Arabet. Again with this shit. I'll kick Timothy in the ass tonight, don't you worry. Um... Be sure of it. He's had his ass kicked around a bit in the cells, I might add. Dropping your name right and left. These things are getting harder and harder to cover up. It's not good for business. No, it's not. Like, I know he's Maybe a good boy, Maybe he needs boy, to be ben. cut loose. Don't you worry, I'll take care of it, Paul. See that you do. It'll be triple the normal fees. There's a pro-consul in town who likes to see yeah, examples no. made, mate. Right, right, right. Keep your fucking fucking hands out of the Imperial coffers, and business continues as usual. As soon as you fuck with that bet, you know everything goes pear-shaped. Just keep your hands off that shit, bet, or I'll melt them over my fireplace. I'm fucking serious. Paul, I got a question for you. And what question is that? Is it math? Like, how many out of bets should there be in my office right now? Tip, the answer is zero. Retirement. How would you like to retire? I would love to retire. Not in this shithole, though. So, tell me what you need. Two and a half, three hundred thousand? Two and a half or three hundred thousand, you say? You've never seen that much money in one place, even in the harbour, Bet. So don't even start talking big. Don't, don't give me your those. It's, it's a ludicrous number. Tell me what you really need. You did ask. I wouldn't mind a cottage and a steady pension, which I've got coming in three years if you keep your fucking fingers out of my coffees. Do you understand, mate? Knock over all the merchants in the marketplace that you want. It's got fuck all to do with me. As soon as you fuck with my career, it gets personal. Are you do some vacation time? Vacation time? It's the Legion. Mate, there is no fucking vacation. I'm sure your mother's taken ill. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen her in 15 years. It's not like writing her does fuck all for good. You know how to pay your bills. Payment in the usual way. Fuck off, I'm done with you. I'm out of here. And as you're leaving, there are a couple from the Escorts Guild waiting in the foyer. They both look you and shoot you awake. Oh, hi, bad. Afternoon, Sally. Hey, Susan. How's it going? 
oh, you know, not so bad this week. It's our turn. <laughs> Make him smile. All right, listen, um, thanks for that, by the way. Really helped me mum out. You need anything else, you come see me. You're a good man, Bet. We kind of have to take care of ourselves, don't we? Well, thanks, Bet. Now, skip along. And with that, Sally hikes her boobs up, pushes them together, takes a deep breath, and then, like, with an obvious effort, wipes the look of disgust off her face and pushes open the door to the consul's office. So out you go. Back into the street, where Timothy is standing next to Mr. Stitch, looking rather chastised. Stitch, two blocks ago, Mr. Jobsworth peeled off and hasn't been back since. Just about now, he catches up. Stitch, do you have something for a bloody nose? Uh, I've got lots of things for bloody noses. Do you want it painful or do you like it the old-fashioned way where I just give you something to pop underneath your tongue for a little bit? No, no, no. I mean treating them. And with that, I give Timothy a good right Oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> he eats shit. He's just flat. He's, like, stunned. And, like, it doesn't even occur to him to cry until he's bled well into his hair. That's when he comes to his senses enough to cry about it. By then, you've already hauled him back to his feet by his lapels. Yes, Go sir. home, Tiananmen. I'm tired of you now. Adamant, is- please. It's, it's just a boy, Adamant. Come come here. Come here. It's it's, it's fine. You, you come over to the little stitch here. Yeah, make sure he looks him over and make sure that he's fine. Bet didn't break his nose. He just blooded it for him. It was a real good stinger. It was, in its own way, surgical stitch. Okay, we'll just make sure you're okay there, little one. You're fine. Give him an aspirin for the throb later and then, you know, send him away with a pat on the head. So that tells us, Stitch, that <clears throat> there's a lot more on that boat than just money. All right, spill it. Spill it, Bet. What's, what's, what's going on? The consul doesn't want us to touch the ship. Intimacy's to too good the, uh, to just be picked up. I want to slip the kid some uh, business cards like before he slinks away, too. Tell him to always like, make sure he asks for a lawyer. Instead of talking, he just keeps asking for a lawyer. That's an option you've never been able to consider before, Arabet, and it kind of grounds you for a second. Just, like, puts your feet down on the ground and makes you realize, like, holy shit, I have a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> like, you've seen those guys in action, and people who can afford them get away literally with murder. Like, I mean, the justices of Bailey Mina really get pissed off when you make them condescend to such things as maintenance of the law. Or conducting court proceedings. Which is why those um, instant trial process servers are so popular. You, you give them the charges and they go and literally slap you with them. And you can respond by agreeing to terms for a duel and satisfying honor that way. Or paying a fine as dictated by the court. Uh, if you really want to waste the court's time, it has to be important. And like I said, the magistrates just do not like to be bothered with that shit. So whoever has the most money, which is to say whoever can afford a lawyer, typically gets what they want. At least that's how the system works as far as you know it. If this guy Jobsworth says you've got access to a lawyer, man, you just hit a really big score without lifting a finger. We need some money, fast money, and we need to do a quick, quick, quick transfer. 
We need to get the console out of town. So what are you saying? We... we Looks over the jobs for You have money. I know that the coin thing that you do. Well, I have some money. Well, it won't take a lot. Uh, I think the biggest uh, biggest thing is to move some chits so that we get the, the console on uh, some sort of inspection in the mines or something. Because he's got to be out of town when we hit the... Well, okay, now here's the thing. To uh, to move that number of chits, especially the ones that you you just promised him, that amount of money, you're going to have to sell something, man. You don't have that much to hand. You don't have that much in script. You can't get your hands on that much coin at all. Now that you've done the math, you're going to have to liquidate something. And you're going to need somewhere to do that. There is rumor that uh, Calder's Curios on Mockstone Avenue deals in very rare collectibles. Um, but again, Arabet, the place has always kind of been out of your price range. You know, because, uh, like, you've heard, like, priceless gems and things moving from there. It's scuttlebutt, right? Because every time you've been by Calder's, the guy's this, uh, like, 50-something half-elf, gray hair, thinning at the temples, you know, like, you know, just an average brownish-pink half-elf. You'd lose him in a crowd, really. Boring. Doesn't really leave much. Goes and gets groceries once in a while. Like, you thought about knocking his shop over, but from all you can tell, it's all just fake shrunken heads and, you know, like, pardon? And gremlins and, you know, like, just like cheap curios, like Kyoinotomi's junk and, uh, you know, like those carved wooden masks from the south and things supposed to be from the Axis, but everything from the Axis is supposed to be better. And, like, why would he have this really high-quality shit in with all this obvious junk. It, it doesn't make any sense. He's more hype than he's worth, but maybe there's something to it, and maybe if you had a look, you could figure out where the reputation comes from. Gentlemen, how does everyone feel about a curio trip? Oh, you've got that look on your face again. It's a good look. I'll, I'll meet you there. Ladies, you come rattling up in this kid cart, and uh, not like a lot of those chain sort of themed pubs and eateries you'll find in the capitals where they have real imperial style diners and, you know, all this other sort of thing. This place is a bona fide dive. This place is legit. It's got like the actual glowing thomoglyphs on the walls from like Back in the day, it's, it's got, like, arrow slits for windows. Because it's part of the original city, right? Like, it's a legit old place. It's since become a more upscale sort of down-class joint, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nari in a toga walking out of it with their finest bottle of wine. I want to, like, oh. run in there, like, shape right. change and walk out. So, yeah, you kind of go in, sit down in a booth, and then get up and get out of somebody else. You're waiting out front on the board sidewalk. As uh, this really ornate two-wheeled gig pulled by an undead horse, all upholstered and decorated, as mentioned earlier, rattled to a halt in front of the place. Um, the gig contains the somewhat cross-countenances of your new employee and your sister. 
she'll get up off the gig and just march right up to him and wallop him. Magma, on the other hand, is leaning up against the the cart, sort of watching things happen as they happen, and with this smug amusement, and is yeah. just not. And you're like, you're like, wow, whoever this dude is, she's pissed at him, right? Man, is he ever going to kick his butler's ass? If the way you understand things work is correct, anyway, right? Like, you met the butler, not him. So she's whooping some other dude, and you're like, wow, okay, this is the guy behind that butler. Smart, but- <laughs> smart butler, right? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? That's my apartment, and it's full of my stuff. Well, I'll hand over the, the bottle of wine. And here, well, here you can have my, uh, have my apartment. It's bigger than yours anyways. Uh, not really the point. You know that was my place? I had a bunch of my clothes and stuff in there, and I might have had, you know, stuff in there from, like, my studies. Magma kind of tilts her head so that, you know, she peers out from around Ziva and says, well, if you're offering places to stay, I'm more than happy to let the lady continue to habitate in what is considered her domicile, and I can take your place. Yeah, I think that's super. And then, like, if you need somewhere to sleep, you can come crash on my couch. Ugh, I'm so mad at you. She's glaring at him. Yeah, and there's another thing, too. Like, she is kind of angry. You could feel it coming off of her. And more to the point, everything that's casting a shadow is now leaning towards you. Like, they're, they're shadows. All the shadows are leaning towards you. And kind of, you know, if you didn't know better about the way light works... You would swear those things were climbing up the stairs towards you, in fact. And you're kind of standing there on the boardwalk, and yeah, the darkness seems kind of palpable when she's this pissed off. Also, you know, her skin was this, like, this nice matte alabaster, looked like very expensive cosmetics. Now, it is downright silver, and her purple eyes are glowing softly in the sudden dim that is uh, crawled all over her in a Morticia Adams-like effect. She's just giving him the death glare. Literally. Um, (laughs) If anybody could see close enough, they would see that her pupils have little skulls in them, and she's just, (laughs) you know, pinky. All right, I'll just... I'll just meekly said, like, say that, all right, I'll have jobs where I collect my things and, like, sort of just mumble a bunch of excuses and apologies. And- right. And okay. off, go- off goes Nari. Then, like, what are you doing are you, like, after that? Are you going to stick around or that sounded like you were going to okay. make an exit? Well, I don't know. There's only room for two people on the, uh, on the thing, right? So, like, we've, like, they're not, everything's settled down. And, yeah, I don't know. Can I can I get get uh, can I get on there and like ride it to, over to the uh, 
Well, somebody Didn't can we... ride the horse. Yeah, there was, there's room for three. It, Yari, like, here now? And I haven't seen you in a while, so, like, hug me or something? Oh, tell you what, I'll get up on that there horse, and the two of you can sit in and uh, have your lovely family reunion. Okay, Magma Notable, now when you get near the horse, it kind of sketches off to the side and doesn't look very comfortable with the idea of you being near it. I'll walk up and... This, uh... This is because the undead don't like fire. (laughs) <laughs> and it's something you hadn't considered, Ziva, when you got this gin lady to accompany you. But no, your horse doesn't like it's it's uncomfortable around. Oh her. poor guy. Aw. It's okay. All right, you buddy. Oh well I do apologize. I suppose my personality is a touch on the fiery side. <laughs> It's okay, we all have our, like, special things. Well, yeah, especially since, like, you know, like, now, especially, she's out in the daylight, um, since all the shadows were leaning towards Nari and are now retreating back to their normal ways and habits. And, uh, you know, but Magma standing in in the full sunshine is, it's pretty impressive to behold. She's got these, uh, these traceries that look like Mendy in softly luminescing runes that climb up the backs of her arms and meet in the middle of her back and then up the back of her neck. And they're all like, you know, this, well, it it looks like script and runic lettering, but it's not. It's just the 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 birthmark of fire right it's it's the birthright of the jinn and uh, her suldar and they're all a different pattern this one is the story of her soul but you know like nobody here knows what it is however like when she turns around you can see like down the backs of her arms these like the the tattoos she's had all over her arms and these suldar interplay with each other she's like you see her out in the sunshine it's it's obvious she's she's fire. She's a creature of fire. She's an elemental person. Surprisingly, like, you could have missed that. Yeah, you're like amazing. Oh, keep talking, darling. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> well, I've been like studying and stuff, so I've been like learning about things and like elementals, and whatnot. So. And there's almost like a like a, a clear line between them when they're talking, Nari. There's like the shadows that are all kind of crawling and squirming and swirling towards Ziva's feet, and like just the bright light that's driving them there from from Magma, right? It's it's really weird. Something you're noticing, and people are just walking by, like everything else is normal, but this is like this weird atmospheric front of light and dark, and you're kind of standing right there, you can just lean either way and see, you know, gray day, bright and shiny day. (laughs) (laughs) This is like Jobsworth person or whatever. I do, as she looks over at the person that, you know, that you're talking with, um, does it look like Jobsworth at all? Not a bit. 
Jobsworth has a beard, for instance. This man is clean-shaven. She shakes her, shakes her head at Ziva. Also, this dude's half-elf in Jobsworth was clearly human. You're sure of it. Like, half-elves are taller than that. At least 6'4", right? That dude couldn't have been taller than 5'10". This dude is about 6'2". So yeah, he's a shorty for a half-elf, but... <laughs> yeah, she I'm continues also... to shake her head at Ziva and, and does the whole, no, this uh, this Jobsworth was definitely a shorty. Okay, but like... Oh, my butler? Oh, I always make sure that the health is shorter than me. Oh, your butler. Okay. Good. Well... Okay, so like... Yeah, the butler, I think, arranged the specifics. But yeah, I, I rented your room. You, you were gone for... What was it? Has it been almost 10 years? Well, like, I've been in and out. I mean, that's why I have an apartment. I didn't leave it the whole time. But yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, whatever. It's been a long time. I know I had a lot. But I'm like awesome now. And with that, the gig does that from zero to a trot thing. The scene reopens with uh, Arabet and Stitch, each holding one end of a chest, which is probably 12 inches wide and tall and about four feet long. About the size that you could, like a rolled up painting or, you know, some sort of handheld melee weapon, but it's ratcheted down it's it, it's very secure and it's uh it's quite tightly together and they're waiting uneasily together across the street under the awning of a greengrocer um looking across the street at a place called calder's curiosities um a few minutes later you all rattle up in the gig and get out uh, oh sorry so we can see everybody as they approach yes everybody is here and together at last so, where's Jobsworth? Oh, yeah, where's Jobsworth? Good question. Oh, um, hi. I'm, like, Ziva. I'm his sister. Whose so, sister? Magma? What's going on? Apparently, I was forced into the domicile of uh, Miss Ziva here, who happens to be I believe, related to the person who owns the establishment that I was staying in? I'm not entirely sure myself. You have an establishment? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm just boarding it. She's gone for, like, probably, like, ten years. It's like, seems like yesterday you sailed out. <laughs> and you pulled back this morning, right? Like, I mean, you've been, you've been back here and there. And sure, it was yeah. ten years, but it doesn't seem like it. And who are you, sir? Wait, you're the lawyer? I'm the lawyer. Yeah. I see. Now it's coming together. So Jobsworth is uh, on another assignment or something, right? Jobsworth is, I believe, arranging new quarters for me, I hope. 
Although I like getting to know everyone and everything, we're standing in the middle of the street with a chest. Magma sort of simply nods once very, very curtly. Does this mean um, to be occupying your space? Yeah, um, uh, let's get off the street. All right, so you go walking across the street. This is a good neighborhood, you know, like there's the street vendors up and down on the sidewalk, but uh, by and large, it, it caters to a more genteel clientele. You see, like, um, a better class of tradesmen, like uh, professionally dressed engineers coming out of these taller buildings, which are starting to sprout up now in the old, on the foundations of, like, old guild headquarters, or buildings have gotten derelict in certain parts of the city, and then, like, these these clever new technomancers will, will come in and set up shop and make a million gold pieces by developing some new way to use the spell phones. But Calder's is like this old school, proper goddamn curiosity shop. And when you, when you go up, you see that the place is, uh, the, the sign says, open by appointment. Open by open. Op, op, what's that say? It means the lawyer needs to make a phone call. Navi, is it? Yeah, I'm just, uh, I guess if I'm just sitting there with my phone in the uh, back of the uh, yeah the chariot and then I'll just dial it all up and so as you're as you're kind of fiddling with the dials and and like clicking the digits and trying to figure it out because it's not the number of the place isn't listed anywhere that's the other thing like the name is painted on the windows and everything in the front window is dust free and arranged just so right like one might expect. Um, anybody with any kind of arcanistry in their background is familiar with, um, you know, magical ley lines and the geomancies required to, mm-hmm. to, to fuel and, and channel and move those. And technomancy has all kinds of weird, um, hard steam driven clock winding weird ways of bending ley lines and magic energy. But uh, the dragons do it by arranging things just so, right? And, like, so everything with them has an arrangement. And one of the things you notice as you go walking up to Calder's is that everything in the front window, like, you want, it's exactly like you would expect a curio shop to look, complete down to the fake shrunken heads. Or are they fake? I mean, now that you're close, yeah. right? So uh, as you're sitting there fiddling with the dials and looking all over where to, like, how to dial the number in, um, the door just opens. And uh, Arabet, there's the middle-aged half-elven man, as described. He's, he's uh, got blunter ears than, than uh, Ziva does. He's um, blunter-featured, in fact. He, he seems to favor his human half more than Ziva does. Um, or even Nari, who's kind of indeterminate really he's he could be either depending on which angle you look at him from good evening friends can i help you magma sort of tilts her head towards arabet and says uh my companions are looking to uh entreat you i believe sir oh well uh, uh sounds lovely i know we're uh Culdras Curios, we're purveyors of all manner of curiosity, Miss Lenny. What can I interest you in? Those shrunken heads are, like, super rad. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, those particular items are unfortunately on display only. Oh, I totally understand. It's like so much work to do that, but you did like such a good job. Oh, uh, not my handiwork. I'm uh, a humble merchant. We were hoping to interest you. Looks over at Arabette. Uh, I'm sorry, whom did you say referred to you? She of the thistle-down hair. Oh, you have uh, made the acquaintance of her ladyship? No. Well, I've heard of you. I'm and, uh, sure you have. I indeed am. Well, you're wise not to presume to introduce yourself through her ladyship if it is not justified, and... I am greatly sorry to say that I, it is closing time, so I wish you the best of luck. Good night. Door closes. I think that went smashing. So smooth. Hey, Stitch? Yes? There is a varmint uh, out by the rubbish bins out front of the store down across the garden. On the sidewalk, there's some kind of thing moving around out there just caught your attention it it's a cat thing right oh my god i gotta get it okay so you rip off into the garbage and bam you snatch it like it's it's not even expecting you at all um and you grab it up by the vest because it is a, a, a just a small very small uh draconic figure with uh, like a long a long snaky neck and like terrified little dragon features and you know like it, it's got internal genitalia so you don't know what kind it is right but it like it's got its scales are all bristled out and it hisses and spits and scrapes and and you know thrashes its tail you done got yourself a cobalt i figure i'd uh I'd go to put it in towards my mouth and realize it's just too big and kind of rear back my head eyes dilated at it and go uh, uh, hello? Yeah, you know that to yeah. I think that's hello. I'm just going to put my paw down on it and just kind of press it into the, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do with this thing. Um, but Megan. She sighs heavily. It says, Mr. Stitch, you're about the only one who will ever get the opportunity to call me by that name. How may I assist you? It smells bad. It's rather a cute name. Standing on this cobalt's chest and the cobalt smashing at his knee with a rolled up newspaper like, you know, just get your foot off me, you brute. But he's like jabbering on does anybody I really want to eat it and put it in my mouth right now? I so believe I do. Give me a minute. Hold on. Let me check. I do indeed speak draconic. Okay, so it's a very, like, low... If you can imagine, like, very thick scouse cobalt, right? Like, really, really thick, deep, darkest Liverpool. You know, like, like cobalt, like the draconic so when you once you tune your ear to it this uh this call it's like hey he's fucking fed up in my she sighs very heavily and says mr stick would you mind she finally turns around and in perfect draconic says mind your tongue there are two ladies present 
and then switches back to Carmen for Stitch and says, would you mind, darling, just lifting your foot just a touch? I'm having a bit of difficulty understanding our friend here. I probably have both paws on it like it's a mouse and just kind of looking up at Magnum going, so it's not edible. I would not eat that if I were you. Fine, and I let one up, and then slowly. Okay, so Cobalt kind of picks itself up and dusts itself off and reaches over into the trash and grabs a satchel with all these rolled up newspapers and six foot, six foot cat, six foot cat. <laughs> walking, walking up to Calder's and. You know, there's like two buttons, one at humanoid, regular humanoid height, and the other at halfling height. And uh, like he pushes the button at halfling height. Calder answers the door, and the kobold hands him the paper and gets his two pence, tucks it back in the bag, and makes a hat tip motion, and then heads off down the walkway. Walks I could just run after it. I could run after it if you want. I'm more than happy to chase it. No, leave the poor thing alone. So, oh, actually, she kind of goes traipsing after it, speaking in draconic, says, uh, excuse me, may I trouble you to see at the very least one of the headlines for today? And it cost you three coppers, same as in town. Oh, well, come on, we... now I did just save you from a six-foot cat. I suppose you did. So for that, I'll give you the, I'll give it to you for the low price of three copper. That's the same as it was prior. Well, that's what it cost me, love. Normally, I sell it to people that call her for five copper. You see, but you did save me life, so I'm not going to take a total bath, especially since I think you broke a couple of me ribs. I'd like to oh. do a lot more. I'd like to do a lot more swearing, but you appear to be on fire slightly, and uh, that's somewhat unnerving, to be honest with you. I'm just an honest paper man, love. She'll give him the three copper. All right, and you know, as he looks at you. With them weird, slitted, alligator-like, cobalt-pupiled eyes. He uh, rummages around in his sack. He's like, oh, I've got one here. One second, love. One second. All right, here you go. And he hands you a paper that's from Paradua, where you were born. And it's uh, all the latest uh, up and down the peninsula. And, uh, you know. Thank you. Of especial note is Blaze. Your ex-partner in the ring, playing the gubernatorial games in the Adastran Archipelago, and they sold out in, like, fucking three weeks or some ridiculous time like that. Like, before tickets could even get out here, right? How many people are currently watching her? Not many, as you're just standing out in the street with the newspaper. Like, down the street a little bit. So, like, you're, you're kind of standing there, and it, it, your, your hands start, start to shake a little bit as you get angry, and then, like, you notice the paper's kind of smoldering, and so you go to give it a bit of a shake, and it just lights up. Yeah, and all of her runes and tattoos flare, like, this ungodly angry red color. It's like you can literally watch as her hair becomes like fire unto itself yeah and it's uh it's notable now that the uh the ebonwood looking comb that's holding your hair up um is only ebonwood looking because the veneer burns off and you can see like the steel underneath it it's the only thing you can use to keep your hair up everything else catches fire right 
and she's swearing in primordial. After the paper bursts into flames and you drop it, like it's swearing under your breath, right? And it, it just kind of crumbles. It's, you know, like burning a newspaper is hard because you got to keep stirring them up because they get flat. And then it burns like wood. No way. This thing just is foosh. It's like 20 pages. And you just, you burn it to fine white ash by the time it hits the stones. Um, and then the muttering and primordial as you're walking back, they can feel the ripples of you swearing uh, like two or three seconds before you get there. Before you get back around the corner anyway. She uh, puts one of those ungodly plastic kind of smiles and you can tell she's talking while her teeth are clamped. She goes over to the curio shop, <laughs> side eyeballing it for half a second before she goes over and on the wood knocks three times. Uh, yes, hello? I'm not going to apologize for disturbing you, sir. But at the very least, if you'd be willing to entertain my two companions for what they're looking to uh, perhaps produce for your curio shop, I would consider it a personal favor, if you wouldn't mind. Hmm. Am I correct that you are returning to competition? You are not incorrect, sir. Well, I'd very much like to see that. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll be looking at making my debut in about a week from now over at, uh... There's a, a place not that far from, well, the docks, at the very least, is where I'll be Why? making that debut. I know it's probably very much not up your alley, sir, but we all gotta start somewhere. Very well. Come in. Once, uh, once everyone gets inside, Calder carefully closes the door, locks the door, closes the blind, and says, Perhaps we could retire to the back. Is there anything flammable back there? Uh, uh, yes. I, I would say many things are flammable here. I'll try and behave myself. As you can tell, like, the, the runes and the tattoos are, like, are still almost like a post-heated metal kind of glow. It's fairly obvious that she's still very agitated. Uh, she stretches her me. neck a moment and then motions for her companions to go ahead first before she follows up behind them. So we go through the, the curio shop, which is packed full to the rafters with which mostly appears to be trinkets and junks. We uh, get into the back space, and uh, with a tap of a, of a button, a workbench slides aside. There's a staircase descending down. Calder goes down, and you can see some lights flicker on. And uh, he calls up, Are you coming? Oh, I'm like super interested right behind you. <laughs> All right, so I assume everyone gets downstairs. There's a spacious and well-lit space here. Some little tiny baubles, the, the emanating light. And uh, there's a large table here with several chairs. And uh, Calder sits down and says, please take a seat. What is it that you have? What did you bring, Aravet? Well, we brought a chest. What's in the box? Yeah, Calder's eyes open up quite wide, say, well, um, do you know what's in this chest? No. Have you 
opened it? No. Are you in the habit of selling unknown boxes? No, I'm in the habit of propositioning partners. I can uh, sort of produce some sort of vague paperwork sort of stuff. Uh, start, uh, can I make up a legal, like it's all for uh, yeah. like an investigation that needs to be opened up and we actually need to have it in escrow and blah, 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 and like just make up a bunch of sh- Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, 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 that is delightful, but once we come down to this room, I am not quite so concerned about that sort of paperwork. I'd love to know that this chest is not going to explode and kill us when we open it. Oh, it won't do that. It won't do that. No, no, no. Upon which basis do you assert this claim? On the basis that I locked the chest. I will tell you, Mr. Calder. This is a ruse. Alder looks over at Magma with a questioning eye, like, this is the guy you're vouching for? (laughs) You see, this is a ruse. We've managed to enter your shop, and we are not going to rob it. The deal here is... I'm quite confident you won't be robbing this shop. I know, I know, but listen to me here. We've made it this far. This is to show you that what we intend to do is enter someplace much far more difficult. Well, the point is, Mr. Calder, we would like you to invest in our scenario. What's in the um, box? I just got here. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know these people. This is the down payment. Like I said, there's nothing special in the box other than they are artwork. And what exactly do you propose I do this with this? This is collateral. Uh, collateral for what? We're looking for someone to help finance our project. Oh, you have a project? Yes, a very ambitious project. Calder takes a look. Things seem a little bit more reasonable. Reaches under the table, brings up a bottle of wine, some glasses. Very well. Tell me of your proposal. Arabit reaches into the chest. No, my proposal is that we hit the Imperial pay ship. Um, Why? Because they have lots of money on it. And the pay ship in particular right now has something more. Uh, would it be certain doom? And this kobold comes in with a tray of meat and fruits and cheeses, bites it onto the table. Oh, cheese! Oh, it's a race for the food. Anyway, a good selection of cheeses, too. Like, probably... Anybody with quick appraising skills, there's probably 15 to 20 gold pieces worth of food out here, so, uh... Ooh, Mr. I'm Calder, definitely enjoying Mr. Calder is, um, waiting to be impressed, you know, and, dude, clear, like, down here, these shelves with all the goods on them, and this table with all the inspection lights, and the, uh, various, like, you can see he's got jeweler's tools, he's got an alchemist's bench, he's got, uh, like, all kinds of esoterica. Place is neat. It's orderly. It looks kind of like a museum storeroom in here. I want to um, kind of take some food and a big glass of wine and then like kind of walk around and look at um, these magical items or anything that looks like it might be a magical. Well, most of the things appear to be in boxes or containers. Like, um, <laughs> anything I can see, though. There's like okay. the odd jar of this and that. Yeah, it's a miscellany of uh, it's a miscellany of various things. There's uh, like 
there's a candle, for instance, that's uh, underneath a bell jar, but it's a burning candle. So, mm-hmm. like, there's no air in there. There can't be. There, there just can't be, but the candle burns. Right? Well, she's staring at it. Re- reaching, out, reaching out to pick it up. It's an actual flame, because when you pick the bell jar up, the base it should come away from the base, right? Mm-hmm. Except, no, it's a perfect vacuum inside. Mm-hmm. It must be. There's no glue. Minor comedy of fumbling as you do that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a uh, there's another one up on the third shelf. Uh, there's a skull, which is all carved and ruined, and uh, it's a dog Ooh. skull. Uh, it's all carved with runes and inlaid with uh, small, like, semi-precious stones, which have been polished oh. up to gem-like quality. Um, it's really gaudy, and it, it appears to be, like... Uh, a dog about the size of a standard poodle, right? I'm that's just... The, that's the head. Now, this... Super this. this is a talking skull. You know about these. <laughs> these are big on a Kodiak. Oh my god, this is so cool! They're, they're meant to be a way to keep a faithful dog around forever. You can always call on the spirit of this dog, right? But you have yeah. to talk. you have to talk to the skull every day, or the dog will think you don't want it anymore. And leave. So if it's been sitting, oh. if it's been sitting down here, the chances that it's enchanted are, mm-hmm. well, you don't know, right? Like Calder would have to be right up on his, like keep up yeah. on his stock. And if he has many of these things, which you suspect he did, because walking through the place, like man, there are so there were so many minor glamours and little enchantments and illusions oh. and dusting cantrips and. Press the digitations in effect. It was it was a fucking soup in there, right? Like yeah. just just you know, and there was this whole um, yeah, and like the whole place smells like uh, like if you you know when you open a car with leather seats up on a warm day, that that mm-hmm. the, like uh, on a hot summer's day, that smell of warm leather, right? Yeah. Like the whole place just smells like that, and uh, surprisingly, bay rum, the uh, smell of barbershops. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh my god! I can't believe things down here at the shop upstairs. They're not proper goods. He has a talking skull, you guys. Look at this. I've never seen one for real. It's amazing. Okay, so tell me, what is on this ship that is worth risking the wrath of the Legion? Can I pull out the uh, like paperwork for like our estimate? from the plan of how much is actually technically going to be on the boat. I'm sure I've got the jobs worth file there with me. Yeah, the job looks like about seven or eight million in hard sovereigns, right? It's big money. It'll, uh, it, 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 really is, it really is an expert-level job, but it was the first one that came to you. And honestly, um, it's kind of becoming apparent to most of you that you're going to need somebody who can organize things. You're all very good at what you do, but how to do it together is something that none of you are very good at right now. Although what I do have in the chest is the basic sketch of the deck that my boy managed to find out last night. But we also have the keys to the shipwright's office. Sorry, did you show Calder the uh, documentation with the uh, value of the ship? Um... Yeah, no, I sort of like I was digging around in the uh, the paperwork and like I don't know, like that was like 
Dude, they were asking the general. And basically, I said six zeros. I guess if that was in the uh, the scale there. Yeah. So uh, Calder takes the piece of paper. He mostly ignores what you're saying because obviously that's wrong. And he uh, picks up his glass of wine. It's moving to his mouth as he's reading it. And then the hand moves slower, then stops. Then he puts the wine glass back down and he finishes reading. Oh, I see. Very well. How may I help you? The console is a problem. I imagine there are several problems. Yes, but he's the first uh, and most uh, most ready. He needs to be uh, purchased. How do you propose to accomplish that? No risk, no reward. Of course, this would be your risk. It's not much of a plan. Well, the plan is, I think, a lot of fire. I, I have this idea of using fire to create both distraction and cover-up. Just a uh, stitch has a, a long kind of paused look to his face and he kind of cocks his head ever so slightly towards the person speaking. Doesn't say anything at first, but there's there's definitely uh, a recognition there in his eyes. All right, so you have a problem. You need my help to solve it. What help do you need? I think we need someone who knows. I think we need someone who's extremely intelligent and I'm looking right at I am not here to be flatter. Are you sure? You're not used to flattery, are you? But, sir, could you conduct business? Now that he's gotten me kicked out of my own place. If there's a plan, I'd be happy to hear it. Well, that's why we're here now, isn't it? We've got a bunch of masterminds in the room. We just need to work out the plan to the best benefit of all of us. Now... I myself, not very big in coin, don't understand it too well, but Erebit here does. Erebit here knows how much a coin is worth. I'm here to make sure that no one dies. That one over there, points to Magma, that one there punches real hard. That one there knows the law. And I, I fucking don't know what the hell you are, purple hair. She just uh, kind of grins and points to the, uh, the skull. Uh on her uh, chest. I'm like a girl director and and she just like looks at her brother. I mean, there's no need to be shy, my young necromancer, but I still haven't heard anything resembling uh, a plan. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I just got here. But um, yeah, he got that right. Yeah, he just can like, a necromancer too. Like he, you're not supposed to be a necromancer. And that's right, I'm not. I'm not. He, he just I, completely out and out called you one to your face, which would be uh, if you weren't, and you didn't even blink. You just caught that now. Like oh, sh that's uh oh uh, right. Uh, to answer the question, I mean, we are here to come up with a plan. That's why we've come to your house. We want someone who's smart. We want someone who can bounce ideas off of Arabet here, making sure that we do it just right, and that we all profit from this. That's the big thing, is the profit. Isn't that right? That is indeed the, the trick, isn't it? Well, there does appear to be quite a bit of profit here, but I'm not quite sure how we're going to make it ours. 
Well, again, the thought, my thought, is that we once we get on the boat and identify where the chest is going to be t- taken, that'll be the the first of many, 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 many hurdles, of course. We then burn the boat down behind us with the chest in our, our care. <laughs> and then there's no witnesses and no nothing to know that we have the chest. And what of the pro-council? Well, he's the one that's worried about uh, me hitting the boat in the first place. And... And why, pray tell, would he be worried of this? The irony is so thick you could spread it on bread. The irony is that the council and I have many, many dealings, and he'll want his share. Well, that significantly complicates things. Uh, a- anything else I should know? Yes. This has been hired down through uh, an unidentified party who uh, is working for the lady. Uh, what do you mean by that? And which lady? You know the lady. Well, here in Bailey Mina, there are many ladies. It's all here in the Jobsworth file. So what, big what's in the Jobsworth file? Chart. Okay. The, the lady, the, the corporation, and all of the different, like, uh, the paperwork. Uh, I've got, like, a huge org chart that I can just, like, I don't know, like, skip around the lady or, like, yeah, I don't know, like, throw it all in a big loop and get it, like, uh, more about the money and less about the lady? Well, it's, yeah, so there's there's a big package of paperwork, and, I mean, you've written it up exquisitely, and the more Calder looks at it, the, um, you know, the the ever-burning lanterns in the the corner, like, he, he he picks up the paperwork, he looks at it, and in the round glasses he's wearing, you can see the pages reflected, and that's when we're going to switch focus again for a moment. And uh, back to this old hematite-colored dragoness. Um, who, you know, it, it, she's soaring along through the skies and kind of lands down on one... Uh, she lands in this big open courtyard and, you know, collects herself down to a more manageable size um, before walking up to where this young... Dragon, the same one that was playing the piano, or sorry, the organ earlier, is laying flat on his back unconscious. She reaches into a pocket of the gown that she's magically summoned to cover her now bipedal form and, uh, you know, pops the lid off a vial and uh, waves it under the young dragon's nose and he wakes up. He's had his bell rung good. And she goes, and what went wrong with that? Well, Mother, I... I improvised. What did I tell you about improvising? Never do anything without a plan. And did you plan for this? No, Mother. Then your plan wasn't good enough. Come with me. And now we're back in Calder's basement. Well, this is very interesting. Um, just give me one sec. Uh, yeah, there's something about uh, which of the officers are you supposed to fight? Like he's got a boxing mm, match uh, with uh, she. Um, she seems sort of. Hopefully. Yeah, she seems sort of off in her own little world for for a moment until you mention like the words fight and officer, and she goes, "Hmm, oh yes, there's um, uh, there is an imperial uh, officer th- from this current boat who um has somehow managed to uh." 
land himself a top title, hence the place where I'm making my debut. I'm sure if I can ruffle his feathers, it may catch the attention of the consul. Yes, I think that's I, I, that has excellent potential. Well, now that I've read this material, it's uh, I. Uh, it turns out I've been waiting for you. I uh, apologize for not recognizing you sooner. I will confess I was expecting something more polished. However, uh, these bona fides certainly uh, do you quite well. Um, however, perhaps this particular job would not be the best for our first uh, working towards that goal. Yes. Uh, this fight that you were speaking of, Magma, I think this sounds quite excellent. What we are looking for is leverage. Leverage on this pro council. First and foremost, I think you meant leverage, not leverage. I'm, I'm pretty good at the comment. I raise an eyebrow at the cat. Once you have obtained some... Leverage. Return, and we'll continue our conversation. In the meantime, uh, do you require some resources or something? Actually, I have another idea, too. We need uh, the deck plans, and I can either buy them or steal them. Would you prefer? I'd prefer that you go to the fight and obtain oh, some leverage. I'll do that, but you will need the plans, don't you think? One problem at a time. Right then. Is there anything you need? Oh, well, Better uh, she looks over at Jobsworth for a minute and then to Arabet and sort of nods in Arabet's direction. Certainly a bit of betting money would be good in terms of perhaps tilting the odds in my favor. Aye, oh, you need oh, a backer. Uh, certainly. Calder casually reaches into a pocket and drops a pouch on the table with a hefty clank. Would a thousand gold suffice? You watch as she literally goes... Very well, then I wish you the best of luck. And try not to recognize me at the fight. I'll probably be too busy putting the fisticuffs as you... Uh... So very colorfully put it. Excellent. I was talking to your friends. Well, that'll about do it. Or should I say, redo it for episode one of Fine Fellowship of Felons. Come back next time. Witness our fiery Janai fighters triumphant return to the ring in a fighty little fable I call Magma Said Knock You Out. It's training montages fist fights and dive bars and all of the action thrills chills spills drama and excitement that you the fans want to see and hear next time in episode two magma said knock you out don't miss it i'm matt adam that's all i got for this episode thanks for listening and until next time take good care
Are you looking for the perfect gift, but it eludes you? Search no more, friend. All you seek will be found at Calder's Curios. I am Master Lock Calder, purveyor of the finest curiosities and small wonders, antiquarian by royal appointment. From anniversaries to Erastine to Runesday gifts, everything you seek can be found at Calder's Curios. Visit us today in Queensbridge. No gift too small, no purchase too large.